Leadership and cultivating a winning culture were the hot topics at the 80th annual ABCA baseball convention in Dallas, Texas this past weekend. We took Keep the Line Moving on the road. It's Keep the Line Moving Coaches Week. It's about to get rocking, about to get rolling with Walter Beatty, host of the Coach Beatty Podcast. All right, Walter Beatty, it's great to see you. Thank you for doing this. Oh, absolutely. I'm really excited about taking some time and, and talking to you here in Dallas. Thank you. So you and I met and talked about baseball and what it means to be a great player, what it means to be the father of a great player. Just tell me in general, what does baseball mean to your family? That's a loaded question. Um, you know, for me personally, baseball had always been an integral part uh, as a young young player. Uh, my parents passed away when I was very young, and uh, baseball was like my salvation as far as it gave me my peace, my solitude, but it also gave me, me, gave me my what, why, you know, kind of a purpose in life, uh, hoping to get college opportunities. Uh, and, and so as a former player, got into coaching and when I had my children you know it was really something we sat down and we discussed because I always tried to make sure my boys understood the symmetry between life and baseball you know the ebb and flow many other sports football basketball the games are few and far between whereas baseball is almost an everyday thing whether you're an amateur or professional and I try to explain to my boys, you have good days, bad days, but you have to be consistent with your attitude, your effort, your energy. So for us as a family, I would say baseball, believe it or not, was really our foundation. Tell us what you're doing now. Tell us about the Baseball Blue Book. Tell us everything that's going on for you. Sure. I mean, what I've been able to do for uh, probably a little over three decades now is I work and help families. You know, a lot of people assume it's with regard to college recruiting, but really it's a more of a consulting uh, dynamic to get parents to understand what's really going on during these formative years of say 14 your freshman year in high school through college graduation and there's a lot of mental and physical development uh, that takes place within an athlete student athlete's career so I help provide student athletes and families access to all of the dynamics that they'll need, i.e. nutrition, strength and conditioning, academic, and then obviously with regard to college recruiting, introducing them to college programs that I feel best serve their ability to trade athletic ability for academic excellence. What we try to do is allow parents to become as educated and informed as they can so they can choose their path rather than trying to chase an opportunity. My gosh, I got to ask a follow-up on sure. this. You're making a difference in these people's oh. lives. It's overwhelming just to apply to college minus athletics or minus the complexities of standing out as an athlete, a student athlete. You're helping people in a key time in their family lives. Oh, I, and I take great pride in that. And, I mean, I could tell you story after story over 30 years. For instance, I can tell you a story of a young man named Mason Coppins. Mason played no, he probably played 40 collective innings in high school over four years and was told he'd never play college baseball. He was from Louisiana, single mom, and I was able to help them get to a uh, postgraduate year boarding school in Connecticut, Salisbury School, and then ultimately he became a four-year starter, Division I baseball, Northeastern University, played two years on the Cape. His, his life was altered. I've had other young men that have gone on to West Point, 
Uh, they've gone on to Tulane, Wake Forest. And these are students and families that were told your son will never play in college. Now, it wasn't my ability as from an evaluator standpoint. It was my ability to convey to parents, choose, don't chase. And when parents take a deep breath and they stop chasing their their peer their son's peers Jimmy signed with this team and my son's better than you're chasing you have to stop create a plan execute the plan and by that I mean take care of business in the classroom take care of business athletically and then start to choose your path and so for me I get invited to weddings now on, on to student athletes I've known since they were 10 11 12 they're having children and they'll you know say to me Young man went to LSU, was told he was too short, five foot nine, five foot ten. He's now a professional pitcher in the Met system, second round draft pick. But my point is, I try to get parent everybody has the same opportunities. You simply have to know what your path and what your plan is, and then go ahead and engage and take action steps towards your plan and your process. And this is what you and I talked about yesterday when we got to know each other, which is this. It's up to the coaches to see how to inspire each individual player because wasted talent is a crime. A crime. Right? So how do you advise on that regard? Like, how do you tell somebody, give this young man a shot? He might be 5'8", 160, but he's tenacious and he doesn't give up and he makes contact. He gets down the line quick. How do you explore that and express that to make sure they listen to you? Well, I think in today's world of social media, We've become very visual, you know, whether it's in 10 second or 20 second increments on TikTok or, or Instagram reels. And I try to get coaches to understand decades ago, coaches liked to coach and develop. Now, a lot of coaches just want to kind of accumulate, accumulate talent, accumulate numbers, let the natural competitive nature of the athletes take over. And I try to get coaches to understand. If you take your coaching hat off for one second and you give an athlete an opportunity, whether it's a 30-second window or a five-minute window, take a deeper look at the young man. Don't see the, the sport. Don't see the athlete. See the young man. See the preparations. See how they're going about you know, their actions and their, their energy. And then kind of, can I coach that? Can, what can I bring out? What can I enhance? How can I help this young man's desire and focus not only become a better athlete but a better person within our program and that's their job right i i feel i think so i mean to me i think and you and i discussed this yesterday the role of leadership it's a word that we throw around constantly we want leaders okay well if we want leaders we have to be a leader and much like a parent we can't always be a friend a leader has to recognize you may not like the way I'm explaining this or the way we're going about this, but in the end, it's going to be in your best interest. And, and sometimes we get lost in the tone rather than the message, and we get lost in the, I don't like that. Okay, but it may be in your best interest. And leaders have to recognize that there's that moment within athletics, you can't always be a friend. One more for you. Sure. So I was on the plane yesterday flying here from New Jersey to this beautiful resort here, Gaylord. And, oh, yeah, I love right? it. And the gentleman ahead of me is a head coach of a small baseball school in New Jersey, right? I say baseball school because they're known for that. Right. And his 
bench coach was sitting next to me, and he said, this guy has been successful. He's won seven or eight conference titles. He doesn't yell, and he understands who he's speaking to, meaning the college athletes on his team. Tony Dungy, another example right, in the NFL, exactly. right? They made sure their messaging was heard best how the players receive it. So to your point, that's so interesting. It's incumbent upon the leader, the coach, to make sure it may be stuff you don't want to hear, but I have to say it in a way that is receivable for you. Fair? Absolutely. And, and I think if you take the Bill Parcells versus the Tony Dungy, they both accomplished the same thing, but in very different manners. You had mentioned to me yesterday that you work with the Raiders, and I was always blown away. If you take the Raiders, for example, their greatest coach in, in history, arguably, could be John Madden. And he was a gregarious, you know, big man, but he was very soft-spoken, I always felt. But he was able to get across, and Tom Landry for the Dallas Cowboys. And if you can envision those kind of guys, they were very, very well-respected, but they were not animated, throwing headsets or anything like that. And I think we've kind of lost our way. We're, we're trying to be the loudest so that people are looking at us. But sometimes it's more about your message as a coach. So for me personally, I've always felt that baseball, when taught properly, it really teaches you to be mentally prepared. But more importantly, much like life, your last doesn't mean as much as your next. And you can use that in a myriad of different ways. You know, your last at-bat, your last pitch, your last fielding opportunity. Really, you have to take learn and move and you have to move forward and that's really what life uh, demands uh, in a lot of ways you know yesterday doesn't have any influence on your today mentally uh, or physically you know you have to be engaged and prepared for your next exactly and so when you make an error and you have to go to the plate with three runners on you know the bags are juiced you just made an error you cannot think about that. You have to dial in to what that pitcher, because he or she is coming at you with velocity, and they don't care, and their mind is clear. How did you advise your sons to be great in that respect? I always tried to get my, my, both my boys that baseball is very much like driving an automobile. Every car that they'll ever get in has a rearview mirror, but what really matters is the glass or the windshield in front of you, the highway in front of you. Everything that's in front of you is much more important than what's behind you. And if you take that kind of dynamic and you apply it, not only in baseball but in life, you know, you're going to react to that flow ahead of you rather than the debris behind you. And so um, I really feel that that's really the biggest lesson that baseball offers to those that really want to listen and pay attention to that. So your son Tyler was drafted by the San Francisco Giants about a, you know, a decade ago. What was that experience like to be drafted and getting that phone call? Well, it was a lot of layers to that because Tyler had been a first-round draft pick out of high school and he, by the Toronto Blue Jays, and he, he turned that down. In fact, he was the only 2011 first-round pick that you know, didn't go to sign. He basically said, I'm going to go to Vanderbilt. So for three years, you're really walking on eggshells, hoping he gets that opportunity. And really, uh, there was so much joy and elation because over and above the first-round draft pick in 2014 by the Giants, they won a national championship. So it was really a culmination of 
all that waiting for three years after high school paid off. He was able to win a national championship, played for a tremendous coach like Tim Corbin, and was able to get the opportunity again to be a first-round draft pick and begin his professional career. That's really cool. So Vanderbilt is a powerhouse. And when he was a collegiate player bypassing being drafted by the Blue Jays, how did he devote himself to excelling at that university? Oh, boy. Uh, His very first game against Stanford freshman year, he got his teeth kicked in, and he gave up nine runs, and Vanderbilt lost. But one of the, the best parts of college athletics with regard to coaching, and in this particular case, Tim Corbin, he is really a life mentor. And he, he really was, Tyler was able to utilize the three years at Vanderbilt and learn a myriad of different life lessons that was he was able to take into his professional career that helped him immensely stay grounded, um, really understand the celebratory kind of mindset you had to have within the team uh, to be a daily disciplined and, and trust your routines. So I think college uh, really prepares student athletes for that professional level in whatever sport because they really begin to understand time management. They really be able to understand the the routines that they need to apply to their daily uh, work, whether it's academically and then obviously athletically. So I think it was a really wonderful three-year time period in his life and ultimately got his degree from Vanderbilt, uh, economic degree, and you know now he's still playing professionally, so it worked out well. This has been awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Next up from our podcast series from the ABCA conference is Aaron Pridmore. He hosts the Slide podcast, and he's also affiliated with the Savannah Bananas. Not everybody wears eye black to conferences. You do. Tell us why. Well, look, I, I, I'm, I'm 45 years old, so I got to find a way to still stay relevant, stay cool with the kids. Yes. And uh, have a little fun, bring some attention my way. So. Yes. You know, when I was younger, I didn't want the attention. Right. Now, I'm old enough to where I don't really care, and I think it's fun. So, my wife still gives me <laughs> a lot of grief about me, me doing eye black. But, look, I, I'm here in a generation where they love their drip, and so I got to bring them the drip. <laughs> I love it. So, Savannah Bananas, that's your hat. You that have is. an affiliation with the Savannah Bananas, but you're more known for the Slide Podcast. That is right. Which I love the title. Let's hit the Slide Podcast first, and then we'll get to the Savannah yeah, Bananas. Yeah, okay. Of course. The Slide Podcast, as you and I visited for a long time yesterday, focuses on the development of baseball related to kids. Yep. This beautiful game that we all love and how we can bring it to more kids in more areas of the world. Is that safe to say? Did I summarize it all right? That's spot on. All right. Spot on. So Tell us. It kind of started, I was a youth baseball coach in in small town, USA, South Carolina, and uh, I saw a lot of the negativity and... You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a fixer by nature, so um, and it's something that I couldn't fix at the fields, and it frustrated me a lot, and uh, I personally deal with some mental health issues myself, and every day if I was having issues, once I got to the park with the kids, they instantly turned my day to a great day, and so I wanted to find a way to give back to the kids, and more importantly, just spread positivity. You turn on any news channel, you turn on most of the social media these days, and it's something negative that we're constantly resharing and putting out there. And I want to just create content that makes people laugh and that adds some positivity, 
but more importantly, helps kids build their confidence and have a little fun. So what I love about this, Aaron, you're courageous for just saying what you just said in the last minute and a half is courageous to admit openly that you have have had mental health I'm, issues. I'm completely transparent about it. Absolutely. Or anxiety or whatever. We're all human beings trying to do well in this world. Yep. Right. And, you know, I'm with you on the social media and, and the potential negativity that it exists. Right. Obvious statement. Yep. So you're, you've made a decision to do something about it. Right. That's what I really respect. Yep. So when you turn the mic on every day or when you, how often you do your podcast, it's almost like you going back on that field again, right? Yep. And you're, you know that those kids are listening. Is that safe to say that that's the mission? That is. I mean, as a child, I grew up, you know, Jose Canseco was my idol, uh, the Bash Brothers from Oakland. And... I loved that, but in my dream was just like every other kid out there. I wanted to be in the MLB, right? Right. So, um, but, you know, reality happened, and I'm sitting here, and I didn't make it to the pros. And uh, after spending 26 years in the retail field, I didn't think I could do anything else. And so the, the podcast started more as a passion project uh, that quickly turned into something a little bit more that required a lot more time and energy, and uh, it, it's been pretty awesome. I mean... The show really opened my eyes to what I could do in the sports industry um, because a lot of us, once we get to this age or, you know, we hit our 30s, 40s, we think our, our lives and our careers about set for the rest, you know, until we retire. And uh, I'd like to say I'm living proof that at any point in time when you decide to follow your dreams, you can do it. So I can so completely resonate. I started this company and this podcast one year ago mm-hmm. when I was 54. A, a, an age is just a number. Okay, so here's the million-dollar question. You and I both grew up. I was a San Francisco Giants fan. My poor fans that are listening to this podcast are sick of me saying that. <laughs> but I was. You were in Oakland A's. I was. Jake and Seiko and the Bash Brothers, Mark McGuire, and everybody. And those were great teams, by the way. Yeah. 89 World Series. We'll forget about that for well, a second. Well, my brother was a Will Clark fan. Oh, so ah, there you go. He, he, was a, he was a diehard Clark fan, and yeah. I was a Conseco fan. So when we had the Battle of the Bay uh, World Series. I remember watching the TV when the earthquake happened, and I'm like, Mom and Dad, what happened? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, big, big fans. Okay, but here's the million dollar question in my mind is what is the common thread as to why kids nowadays love this great game? What are their answers? Why do they love it? I think it comes down to that they like playing with their friends, they like getting to know, you know, other kids. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I think that's really what it comes down to. Now, if you ask a coach, um, a lot of coaches, you know, they'll say it's the winning and all this other stuff. But when reality is, like, we got we to gotta let these kids be kids and let them do the things that they enjoy. And most of the time, that's just hanging out with their friends and encouraging each other and having a lot of fun. And, you know, what you see today in the youth game is we have too many coaches geared towards the winning and then parents see that they learn that and then that's how they you know they lead their kids and when in reality it's like we're robbing these kids of their childhood too early and you know imaginations are you know we don't allow kids to use their imaginations anymore and and that's why i like the the eye black and the drip because i like the creativity i like i like their personalities and we we sometimes we lose that as we get more competitive into the baseball world and as we get older absolutely <laughs> last question yeah because i promised the fans i'd ask you 
Savannah Bananas. Yep. What is your affiliation? Talk to us, and then we'll let you go. Yeah. Two years ago, uh, about six months after I started the show, I had a few of the players on the show just because I was so fascinated with the team myself. I got invited down to a game. Uh, I told my wife when we were down there, I'm going to work for this team. And uh, I got a call that November and said, are you ready? And it's uh, it's pretty cool. I can't talk about a lot of it right now, but it should we should be going public with uh, what my job title is within the next probably 30 days. So it's perfect. I'm, gonna tell you, I'm living a dream. I'm living the dream. Listen, Aaron Pridmore, keep being you. Keep doing what you're doing for the kids, and I wish you all the luck. Yeah. Very nice to meet you. Hey, Thank here's you. Here's how we end every show. Let's go. We look at the camera and we say, we'll catch you on the slide. We will catch you on the slide, everybody. Here we go. And we thank Aaron and Walter very much for being on the show. Keep the line moving. Coaches Week continues tomorrow, where we will feature Bernie Martinez, the head baseball coach at New Diana High School in Texas. You have to hear his wisdom. Then we will have Baron Becker. He's a partner at a Florida law firm who focuses on compliance. His story is worth hearing. Thanks, everybody, for being part of Keep the Line Moving Coaches Week. Every week, you hear guests on this podcast talk about some of their biggest leadership challenges. As a leader, you want to make an impact on those you lead and reach your organization's goals, while also optimizing your time management. Wherever you are in your leadership journey, we could all use some help. This is what we focus on with our group and individual coaching services. To book a call or get more information, email me directly at chrisg at garganoleadership.com or visit our website at garganoleadership.com. For our podcast and video producer, Jack Radutsky, and our marketing coordinator, Savin Narwhal, have a great week, everybody.